When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's it, everybody. We are back. This is episode 236. If you can't code, don't use WordPress. This is going to be a controversial statement, but there's some good reason behind it. And I can't really code too much in PHP and stuff like that. Uh, So I'm kind of cheating the system a bit. And I'll get into that once we get into the episode. So if this sounds interesting to you and you want to support the show, you can go check us out on that Patreon Leave a review or rating on your podcast app. Join us in our Discord server or share this with your friends. And if you've been following me at all uh, on Twitter, I've been I tweeted once or twice this week about some WordPress stuff. And one of the things was that WordPress has an accessibility problem. And I don't mean an accessibility problem from like a screen reader perspective or like larger fonts and stuff, because there are plugins that handle that for sites. I What I mean is a tech accessibility problem, and that is that for the techies, for the developers, for the people putting the sites together, WordPress has a very strange hurdle when it comes to someone who is using it as it could be used. What I mean by that is WordPress can be changed into virtually an entirely no-code platform. You can use a collection of plugins and a collection of other pieces of functionality like page builders, uh, Elementor comes to mind, Beaver page builder, all those type of things. And combined together, you could easily spin up even an advanced website like an e-commerce site. Go in, install your plugins, get your theme ready, uh, get your page builder if you want more granular control, and you're off to the races. It seems like it's a no-code dream where you're not limited by a platform's specific requirements like a Wix or a Squarespace, although those are opening up a little bit, Wix especially. Wix is kind of talking to and working with the developer community more these days. But you're not limited by this platform too much. Like WordPress kind of gives you this very bare bones. Here's like make a blog, make a post, and you can change it into whatever you want. But this is where the problems come in, is WordPress in its cheapest form is self-hosted. And WordPress in its cheapest form is self-hosted on shared hosting. You can go a fully managed route, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But many people are going to be drawn by drawn in by, hey, there's a big sale, it's Black Friday, whatever, I'm going to buy... HostGator, I'm going to buy um, Hostinger, I'm going to buy any of these hosts. There's nothing wrong with those hosts, just they're, they have cheap intro tiers to either WordPress hosting or just shared hosting. And then they can you can basically install your WordPress and you're off to the races with an installer of some sort. You log into your cPanel, one-click install WordPress, boom, you're up and running. Here's the problem, though. WordPress is not, in my opinion, a consumer product, or therefore, or or maybe you could say, can 
be forced into not being a consumer product. I'll give you an example. So let's take the same scenario that I just gave you where you download your WordPress, you get it installed. You're not coding. You're not coding. You're not touching files. You're not touching server admin stuff short of going through a basic installer. Okay. You get everything up and running. You get everything working and you're like, great. Installed my plugins. I got everything running on my e-commerce store. I've set up my WooCommerce. I have a nice theme. Everything's great. Then one day, and it could be at any time, an update comes out for WooCommerce. An update comes out for a plugin you're using other than WooCommerce. An update comes out for your theme, or maybe an update doesn't come out fast enough for your theme. You update WooCommerce, all of a sudden there's a compatibility problem, and it doesn't just tell you, hey, you can't do this. WordPress just crashes. It dies. And it will come with a plethora of problems. Whether it outright crashes is a question. Sometimes it will just mess up, and you won't know what to do. Other times it will experience what we call the WordPress white screen of death, which is basically the blue screen of death for WordPress. And now what do you do? You go and look up the guide. You'll go Google it. Hey, what does this, what's this critical error mean? Cause that's what it says. WordPress has experienced a critical error, yada, yada. What do you do? Well, go into the file system and then go here and check your plugins and disable them one by one by renaming the directories. The amount of threads I've seen that have comments on them or have, excuse me, solutions on them like this, and then comments on that solution going, what do you mean by go into the files? Is, is astounding. It's shocking. And that's because people think WordPress is a consumer product. What happens when you use Webflow? You go in, you do your Webflow stuff, and you make your layout. You make your e-commerce. You make your blog. You make your this, your that. So maybe your custom script, if you, that, again, you don't even know how to code. Maybe a custom script is what's, is what's going to break it. Maybe you publishing something that might break your layout might break it, but it's a consumer product. You can roll back to a previous backup. You can take a little snapshot backup if you want. If you're like, man, I'm about to change this slider. I don't know. Better make, take a little backup here. Label it as before slider change. Oh, that slider looks like garbage after I made my changes. I'm going back. You could do that. You can't do that on WordPress, especially not vanilla WordPress. And so this is the, I mean, the long winded introduction to this episode, but it's so important, I think, to talk about. Because so many people these days are spinning up side hustles, they're spinning up whatever else, they're spinning up uh, sites that'll be for marketing their in-person businesses. Um, it'll be their business card even. And they think, oh, WordPress is so nice because WordPress is free. And then I'm just paying a few dollars for my hosting. Uh-oh, I did an update and or I did an update and now everything's blown up. Here's another dangerous thing. WordPress allows you to have auto updates. There's auto updating plugins in WordPress. And so it WordPress looks like a phone. It looks like a phone. You go to your phone, you go to the Play Store, you go to the App Store, depending on platform, and you click on enable auto updates. And it will do the updates algorithmically or however your phone does it. Well, it's plugged in, or it's on Wi-Fi, whatever, whatever settings you choose, it updates those things. And if that, and if that app breaks. If that app update breaks, you just reinstall it. If that app update breaks, you wait for the new one. If those updates break your phone, there is a road to recovery from a consumer standpoint. 
You're able to go to a Samsung repair center. You're able to go to an Apple store in the most extreme cases. You can maybe boot into safe mode and, and wipe, go back to factory defaults and stuff like this. There is a consumer, minimal techie required consumer way to a solution. This is not the case all the time with WordPress. You press update on WooCommerce and for some reason it has a, is a problem with another one of your plugins that it never had a problem with before. The site goes into critical error mode and now what? Now what do you do? And there is a solution. There are solutions. Many of them are even, oh, come, go, go back from backup. But now your WordPress doesn't work. You can't log into the admin panel. This isn't a matter of going, I'll update WooCommerce. WooCommerce will then crash the site. It isn't like that. This is, it's crashed the site and I'm going to go and I'm going to go back and roll back. You can't do that. You, you're, you're done. You can't get into the admin area. I, I remember like probably eight years ago, nine years ago now when we were just starting out and there was no Wix or Squarespace, right? Or Wix or Squarespace was just starting out or whatever. And it wasn't the de facto player in the no code game. WordPress was the thing that people reached for, like regular people, non-coder developer people to get something up online as much as they can. So they went to these like, like whatever, whatever hosts that could do the quote unquote one click install of WordPress and then get you set up and running. Now, if you look at the one click installs, even now it's not one click. It's like, Go to this dashboard, click on this button, click on the dashboard, set up WordPress, type in all these things. Like it, it's like, you know, 30, 40 clicks at least. Uh, and there's many ways to kind of fail along the way. So it's never been super straightforward. It definitely wasn't straightforward back then. I remember a couple of times my friends were like, Oh, I set up a website. It's a crapshoot right now. Can you come take a look at it? Maybe like you're going through school, you know, you can maybe take a look at it better than I can because I have no idea. And every time I would go in there, it was just a disaster. Usually, you know, 15 plugins to do the same thing because that's how people interacted with WordPress was just through literally plugins. Like they needed a button. They couldn't figure out <coughs> how to add a button. So they would literally install a plugin to add a button that did like, you know, open a link in a new tab. And then that, that plugin wouldn't work. So they installed another 15 plugins to install one button and then where that button's installed. Anyway, imagine that across 18 different features. And then, like you said, some, they accidentally enabled auto updates on one of those buttons and it crashed the entire thing. So this has been a problem from the very beginning. WordPress has probably matured since then. I don't touch it very often anymore, but regardless, from my eyes, I've always been very hesitant to recommend WordPress to us as a solution for a, for a person that does not code. So this episode kind of rings true for me on many different levels because it's always been I know a lot of people that reach for it because of its brand name, right? Everyone knows WordPress or at least everyone knew WordPress. I mean, I'm assuming it's still pretty damn popular. Uh, but the reality is it's just not a full-fledged solution for a person that needs a complete experience up and running just like in one click, right? There's plenty of really good solutions for that right now that don't require you to go into any sort of control panel and or any sort of hosting environment even. You don't have to even worry about hosting. I know some people that run like Wix and Squarespace sites that don't even know what hosting is. Like they have no idea what that is. Like that, that layer to them is just invisible, which is how it should be when you're a non-developer. Hosting is a huge, huge part of something like WordPress, right? 
where like you need to just to get a site optimized, you need to understand the hosting platform. Like Matt said, shared hosting versus VPS, like uh, virtual hosting, that's a big difference in how your site will perform. So if you're just running a WordPress site on your own <clears throat> and it starts to take off in, in perform, like in terms of users being using it, good luck. Because if it's on shared hosting, you have a limited amount of bandwidth. And you if don't you, even know you, what that uh, means. You don't even no, know don't. what that means at all. You don't know what disk space means. You, you, don't, you don't know. Correct. Like you're going to upload a file. You're going to get an exceeded 10 megabyte limit and you're not going to know how to fix that because that's all part of the hosting. So it's just – you're right, Matt. Like this is a good episode to talk about because I've heard so many times people like suggesting WordPress to non-developers and being like, oh, it's easy. From a developer background, yeah, a lot of it is easy, especially if you're a WordPress developer or a PHP developer. Sure, you can understand a lot of the things. But as soon as you recommend that to someone that has no idea what hosting even is, good luck. Like it's just – it's going – they might be able to get something up and running, like I said, with these one-click installers. But the reality is to get anything successful, it's going to be really tough. Well, you and I actually recently – so. The reason why this even came up is that I've been working on, I've been working with WordPress a lot recently and I just released a project um, for a client who just hired us to just do a renovation because some sort of WordPress backup messed up and all their text went to defaults or something like that. But I just went in, did a little reno and that was it. I uh, didn't really touch much, much in the way of system stuff or anything. I didn't have to install new plugins or anything like that. It was just purely a renovation. And then I also had another project in contrast where they were running their own WordPress for a number of years. And I, and you tweeted about it, Mike. And I, I'm, I think I'm the one that told you about it was I went into their WordPress. They had been running it for 10 years and it was the cleanest WordPress install I've ever seen. All the plugins were up to date. The only thing pending was a PHP version, which was just a warning that's saying, Hey, you should upgrade. And they weren't, they weren't copiously out of date. Certainly not even two years out of date on PHP. And it was wild. And I couldn't believe it. And I asked them, how do you, how did you manage this? And they said, Oh, I just go in whenever there's an update, I press update. And uh, if it asks for PHP, I uh, call the hosting provider. And I'm thinking to myself, man, the amount of times I've just quote unquote simply pressed update on stuff and the whole site goes down. We have a client right now where they have, they have websites running where if we do an update, it like it takes a month to figure out how to get all their updates to work. Doing all their plugin updates, doing their WordPress update. There's so many facets and functions. It takes a full month to stage it and then, de- and then deploy it again because it's just so, um, such a mixed bag of features and such a mixed bag of plugins. And this is really the danger because on a, on a cell phone, on a smartphone, it's a very consumerized experience. You can install a bunch of apps and it will tell you, Hey, you know, you're using up too much space. You're using up this, you're using up that. And it will explain the consequences and explain what it suggests. Hey, we recommend you delete this and that WordPress and everything, everything around it, like the hosting around it. If you're in there configuring the host, configuring the PHP, it'll let you run right off a cliff. It'll let you run right into a crash site. It'll let you accidentally delete files. Um, it, it doesn't care. And there might be some UI stuff where it says, are you sure you want to delete this? But it's not letting you know it's saying, hey, are you sure you want to delete this? This is a critical system file. It doesn't tell you that. It just, it'll let you run right off it. If you need to, if you are really new at um, 
manipulating an HD access file and you go in to manipulate an HD access file with just a guide and you put in some commands and that that are not compatible with the server that you're currently on, the hosting server you're currently on, you might crash the whole site there too. Uh, you might create some sort of crazy problem. And so the issue here is, is that the instant one of these problems happens, you're leaving the consumerized space. You're no longer in the consumerized space where you can go, oh, shoot, I accidentally did X. I'm going to go back into my WordPress admin panel and I'm going to roll that back or I'm going to delete that or I'm going to just disable that and then reinstall it. 90% of the time, that's not the case. You've hit an error where the site doesn't load at all or you've got the WordPress white screen of death. You can't access the admin panel and now something technical has to be done. Now, the reason why I said that you know, I don't necessarily know how to code in PHP that well and this and that. Some of you are probably thinking, hey, you know, you don't need to code in PHP to use WordPress. You're right. You could, you can easily get by, and I do, largely with um, uh, system admin skills, where I'm able to take a WordPress site, go into the files, I know how the server works, go into the files, mess with that, go into uh, the database, look around in there a little bit. I'm a little bit new noobish at databases, but I'm able to go in, especially if I'm Googling a solution, I'm able to, okay, I need to change this in this table and I need to change it for this reason. And then I got to go here and change these cookies or whatever. Like I'm able to read the instructions and do it. And it's less about me coding up new functions that's going to, PHP functions that are going to revive this website. Absolutely. And a lot of the time it's, okay, let's delete everything, delete the WordPress files, delete the WordPress database, um, or at least delete its contents. And then let's restore from backup. I'm at least able to do that. But, but like I said earlier with those threads where people are like, what do you mean by files? It, it's clear that people don't know they're logging into WordPress thinking it's like a web flow or like whatever. If your web flow site breaks, it's up to the web flow site, up to the web flow corporation to fix it. Uh, if your website has a problem, chances are it's going to be a visual one that you did and you can undo that or fix it, restore from backup, whatever, but you're not going to have like the work, the web flow, um, the web flow, like screen of death. And if you do, there is support there. Uh, but chances are it's a web flow problem and they're on it. They have people on it. They have a status site, you know, it's up to them to maintain this thing. And this, this episode really does play on what well, Mike and I've talked about in the past where as you put things out there. They need to be supported. They need to be maintained. They need to be tinkered with. They need to be brought up. And like, I think that WordPress for someone who doesn't know what they're doing, who has not hired a service to handle it is dangerous to an extent. Um, Mike, and you, you can maybe comment on this. You and I had a conversation where we have been, like I said, been working on some WordPress things. And I said to him, I was like, well, like, do we offer like a web or a WordPress maintenance package? Because here's the problem. If we like if we don't offer uh, some sort of maintenance package or we or they just leave it like we don't even tell them that it needs it. They're going to be, you know, 10 years down the line, five years down the line, two years down the line without any updates. That's a, like a security problem, but it's also like a functionality problem. And then things might start not supporting what they're using. For example, WordPress forms is going to soon, as of recording this, deprecate or stop working on uh, PHP 7.1. And um, Elementor, which is a which is a site builder, page builder, it will. I don't think it runs on anything 
7.1 and below or 7.0 and below. It will run on 7.1 and above. And so like if somebody installs all their stuff and their PHP version doesn't just change automatically, like someone's going to have to maintain this stuff. And this is, this is really where the, the, like the, the problem comes in. This is why these services are more expensive. This is why we're Webflow and why Wix and why Squarespace are kind of primo priced because they're doing PHP updates. They're ensuring things are backwards compatible and the list goes on. I'm, I'm just trying to, in my head right now, now that you've mentioned this topic, I'm trying to kind of go through and think like, what is no code then, right? Like if WordPress, if we're saying WordPress is not technically no code, right? Like it, it can be no code. There's certain no code aspects to it, but as a whole platform, it's not really no code. Okay. What is actual no code? So Webflow is a good example. Like you, you use Webflow. Um, when you go into Webflow, you are giving the reins to the Webflow team. The Webflow team is the one that's maintaining the project from a infrastructure level. You yourself or your clients or whatever are going to be maintaining just what the customers will be seeing, right? The front end of that project for the most part. Uh, so is that like, where's that line that we can draw being like, okay, so don't have to worry about hosting, right? That's one thing where that comes in for no code. You don't have to look at code. Obviously, that's in the name. There's no code inside of no code, or at least you don't have to look at code at all. Um, you should be able to edit content without having to go again into code. That's also a feature of no code. Uh, <coughs> you shouldn't have to worry about optimizing performance from an infrastructure level, right? Like if you have to go in and change files or whatever, that shouldn't be part of a no-code system. Now, making larger or smaller uh, media files, yes, that could be part of optimization. That could be on you, but that's more of a editor, like a media editor kind of role, not a coding role. So I think that still fits in. Uh, literally, if, I guess you don't have to do anything with a file system. Is that part of a no-code in a way, because you might you might mess with, say, like WordPress from the consumer perspective, if it's if it's working properly, for example, we'll have a media uh, area and that's kind of like a photo gallery, largely. I think it also hosts the videos as well. And that is sort of kind of like a file system. Like it's not really it's kind of like the gallery app, the photo gallery app on your phone. But like you're kind of looking at files in the same way you would on, say, Windows in the File Explorer. But not like infrastructure files of the actual thing. So you look at media files again, not Correct. the actual files of the system itself. So no system files. Let's say that. Um, what about updates? So that's, this one is the one that I'm kind of on the edge with. So plugin updates, infrastructure updates. Uh, I know like this is largely the biggest problem, actually. It is the biggest problem. I agree with you. But does that really make it no code? Or code or like, you know, does that really put put the onus on the no code? Because updates in, in general, um, as long as they're smooth, I think this is the problem. WordPress updates can break the entire site. Mm -hmm. If there's like a Webflow update for a plugin, I believe Webflow handles that. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Like a Webflow plugin update will be handled by Webflow themselves. Like you don't have to go in there and actually click update, do you? So the Webflow... I'm going to call it the Webflow plugin marketplace. That's not what it's actually called. I think it might just be called marketplace. I've never actually used that because that's new. 
So anything that I've ever installed, I've literally just embedded with script files with custom code snippets. But in terms of, say, if Webflow, um, a good example is Webflow in the back end for their rich text editor, it ha- uses Embedly. And there was an Embedly problem one time. That's an example of like a plugin that we don't even see. We don't touch that. But we're seeing the problem. Like The, the consumers, the content creators, they're seeing the problem. Webflow had to go work that out with Embedly and Embedly had to do some stuff. And, but we don't do that. We, the Webflow customers do not deal with that. Right. So again, that, that's, I guess the, the, the differentiator with a code, with a no code versus code or low code, whatever you want to call a solution. Like I would say that WordPress fits into the low code space, right? It's like a mix between no code and low code, but it fits into the low code space where it's good to at least understand the coding aspect of things to use it. And then, all these other editors that we're talking about. The, the one that I'm primarily using right now is Plasmic, which is, again, something in between no code and low code. But realistically, you can go in there fully without any sort of installation and take a site from just a page, like a you know uh, drag and drop page builder to deployment, right? Like to actually being live on the site. That's where I kind of see the no code being no code. As long as you can take from like a web app, from just visuals to actually deployed content without having to go in and deploy anything or like actually deploy something on onto a, a hosting provider or whatever, that's where the no code really kicks in for me. You know, you know what you could compare and contrast with that though is I think WordPress can be no code. It can also be low code, but I think the number one problem is that it's easy to accidentally escape the consumer experience. Whereas with Webflow, I don't have the option to go into their file system and take Embedly out and put something else in. I certainly could maybe install my own plugin via embedding or using the newer WordPress or Webflow marketplace and and use my own embeddable plugin. But that Embedly uh, integration is is in is baked into Webflow. I can't go in and remove that. Whereas with WordPress, I can literally go in and delete a critical file that causes WordPress to no longer connect to a database. I can't do that with my Webflow CMS. So like what I would say based on your criteria and what you were discussing was that WordPress, WordPress is really like a blank canvas and it kind of starts at a, I would say it starts as a no code. Okay. This is when it's working properly. It's just a blog platform. They give you uh, a theme. I think it's every year they just have like a 2021, 2022, 2023, etc. theme. And they just put the latest one on your thing, on your site, right out of the box. And you can just start blogging if you want. And you can start changing fo- changing things around. And the ch- chances of you having problems updating the very minimal plugins that come with it, which I think there's an anti-spam one and maybe something else, and updating WordPress with those few plugins is very minimal, very minimal. But the thing is, is it's not zero. And if let's just say Webflow ran WordPress, like Webflow runs its own self right now, let's just say. So I'm in my WordPress instance, Webflow is running it, and I click update on the plugin on the uh, appear, um, the theme. I click update on that. And it crashes my site. I have to then go to Webflow. I have to call Webflow up and say, Something's gone wrong here. I need help. You know, something's not right. 
And it's a Webflow problem. Like Webflow would have to fix the problem. That's something wrong in their code base. Whereas with WordPress, you're taking a piece of software and putting it on a server on a computer. And so if something goes wrong, like in the reality of WordPress, it's just like installing an application on your computer. If my Zoom instance, like I have Zoom installed on my Windows 10 computer right now, something goes wrong with it, I might have to reinstall it. I might have to mess with it, right? I might have to do something with it. It's a consumerized problem. But let's say there is an update that's mandatory to Zoom and it and it goes out and every time I reinstall it, it just keeps crashing. That's a Zoom problem. Zoom has to fix that. But WordPress doesn't necessarily have to fix the problem that you're having. Your theme might be specifically not compatible in this particular year because this other plugin decided to take over input boxes and your theme also wants to have input boxes. So they both collide and it's broken. Now what? There's no um, consumer solution for that necessarily. You're at your error and now it's you have to get into the file system. You have to change the theme, but you can't change the theme from the admin panel because the admin panel is gone. It's a very different experience. I don't have Webflow's admin panel. I don't have Wix's admin panel. Like like I'm talking the staff, like Wix staff, Webflow staff. I don't have their admin panel. But with when you're doing shared or specifically like self-hosted WordPress, you do have access to that. Now, I do want to compare and contrast, though, here with other services. So this reminds me a lot of Moodle, actually. Moodle is an education platform. You can run courses on there, run schools on there. Moodle has Moodle, which is like a self-hosted Moodle software. You download it, you install it on your hosting, and you run it. And then there's Moodle Cloud, where you pay Moodle, and they run the instance for you. And you go in there, and you make all your changes and upload your files and you make your course. But if you click on a button and something breaks, if you click on, we had this problem before, if you click on clone course and all of a sudden all the courses can't be loaded and it gives you just a negative one error, you call Moodle and Moodle has to solve it. In our case, we were running a self-hosted Moodle for a client. That Moodle had that problem. Somebody in the morning went to go clone a course. They've done it a hundred times. It, something went wrong. It broke all the course list. Now they call us and then myself and, and a database expert, we went in and we go and we fix the database and we fix this and that. So we're acting as the, the Moodle staff in that particular case. So Moodle for our client is a, is a no code experience, whether he goes to Moodle cloud or whether he comes to us because he can call us. Or he calls Moodle. He calls somebody. Something's all right. I need help. He doesn't dive into the files. But WordPress is so accessible that many people are so low and they're just writing a blog about their favorite pop, their favorite desks, their favorite phones, or they're just posting pictures about their family or something or their wedding. And all of a sudden it all goes to hell and there is nobody to call. So you could argue that having someone to call makes it no code because you're like, hey, my no code stuff's broken. Help me. Yeah, <clears throat> that's so okay. So, the having someone to call is a really good point. But again, it could be in two different ways. One could be through like an agency, like us, or a different agency where we're kind of that abstraction layer between them and the no code tool. 
but it's not technically it's still not technically no code in that instance for them it all intensive purchases it is but for us we still have to go in and actually change things here and there <clears throat> whereas like a no code platform like wix or squarespace or webflow they actually remove that need for an agency now having said that a lot of people will still go through agencies to build out their sites in those platforms mm-hmm. so the differences aren't really there like there's not that many differences there but it does allow people again to get those like hobbyist sites up and running without having to go through an agency in a more reliable way. Again, because they have that other opportunity to call a, a different person to, to help them out. They're paying money to that team. Um, I'm also wondering like, okay, the other thing that I kind of do want to mention is for the people out there listening is that we're not like saying WordPress is a bad thing in this episode. Far from it. I think we're just trying to kind of label it as it's in its proper category. And it, for our purposes, like for Matt's purposes that he's talking about, a lot of this no code, like the fact that it can be a low code platform or a full code platform is actually very advantageous because if we need to do anything custom, WordPress allows us to get right in there and develop a fully custom plugin without having to go through any sort of app store approvals or anything like that, that you would have to go through in a lot of these other instances, right? All these other uh, platforms where you, if you want to create a plugin, a lot of the times you have to go through the, the methods of like submitting that plugin to the store, getting them to approve it, and then going back. Now, this is the, this is where the WordPress experience, <coughs> sorry, WordPress experience is a little bit cleaner in terms of custom code development. So it has that a little bit of that in between where you can use it as a full no code platform, especially if you're a developer already, because you have that experience and you can use it as a fully custom platform if you need to get as much performance or as much functionality out of it as well. Yeah, we're definitely not saying WordPress is bad. What I'm trying to say is that I don't, I'm trying to prevent people from falling down into a pothole where they think everything's great and they're running their side hustle. Could, could you imagine being in a situation where you're running your side hustle for years on WordPress? You have no coding experience. You're selling things on there. You quit your full-time job. And this is a worst case scenario. And then all of a sudden you could click on update one day, your site goes down. You don't have any site admin. You don't have any site admin contacts. You don't know what to do. So you're looking up online how to solve it. And it's very much not a consumerized solve of try to reinstall the app, go into the settings and clear the cache. That's not the case. It's very much a go into the files and see which one is broken and then possibly go in and do a recovery. Also, make sure that you did a backup before this happened to you. And then you're like, well, great. So I quit my full time job and doing this side hustle, which is now my main hustle. It's my e-commerce store. And now customers can't buy my stuff. I have no income and now I'm in trouble. And that I'm sure has happened and very well could happen. Especially if you are, you don't have a lot of traffic, but you just, you know, your side hustle just is, is a well paying thing. You're doing very specialty things. Like people, I don't think people understand how sensitive technology is. And I've had a conversations with, with friends that are not technical say, I don't understand how in 2023 things just don't work. And I was like, you have no idea how sensitive things are. Things are one accidental semicolon away from a massive crash that could affect millions of people. 
Like you do not understand how sensitive things have gotten. Consumerized tech has gotten a lot, a lot harder. Phones are a lot better. Uh, I used to have to wipe my phone every year. I haven't wiped my phone in years. So those type of things that we use frequently have gotten better, no doubt. No doubt in my mind. But you are so close to requiring a technician with WordPress. You're so close to it. And it's just something to, it's just something to keep in mind. I do want to say something here though, as well as some potential solutions. We listed off a lot of problems here. So there are potential solutions. This is something that I think WordPress should, should actually offer natively right in the software, vanilla WordPress. I think there needs to be a snapshot slash a backup system. WordPress, or excuse me, Webflow did it really well where you literally have a, it'll tell you like, you know, we took this backup, took this backup, took this backup. It's like an autosave. And then you can make specific backups, as I mentioned earlier, where you can be like, I need to save right now. And then you label it as something before I updated the slider, save, boom, great. Then you can roll back to that. And there's a whole bunch of them. There's maybe 20 or 30 of them that it keeps. And then it kills them as it reaches its maximum amount of backups. That would be amazing. Yes, it uses more disk space and and whatever, but having even just two snapshots or even having it so that it doesn't auto backup, but that it it backups instead of having an auto backup on interval on time interval is what I meant. Maybe have it so that it say it has a backup right before, like right when you click update plugin, it takes a little snapshot. Um, maybe even if it's manual where you take a quick little save and you're like, before I updated the plugins. And then if WordPress has its worldwide screen of death, it has a little OS, you know, if you will, inside of it where you can click quickly recover and it says, Hey, WordPress is down. There's a problem here. We recommend you roll back, use your admin password and use your, use your password and let's log in and then keep that part safe. Like that would make so much sense. So much sense. And yes, I do want to say that there are plugins that exist for stuff like this. Something like Manage WP, which is Manage WordPress, is kind of like what I would call in the IT world, an active directory for WordPress sites. You can manage multiple sites, update their plugins, this and that. And so what's great about that type of stuff is if you like run all your clients on one, say, stack of, uh, of plugins, like you use all every, every one of your clients have the same five plugins. You update, let's say your testing site, if your testing site's good, chances are the rest of them are good too. And manage WordPress. And then you may do that all remotely from one admin panel. And you can also take backups from that admin panel and stuff like that, rather than going in, you know, downloading the files, going into C panel, going into Plesk, going into the command line, taking the files. And then, Oh, I missed a file this time. Those type of things. So there are plugins that still that do exist. I want to be clear. Even that site that we found that was super clean was doing backups regularly. I don't know how they're running that site. I'm still in awe of that. That's a miracle. It was literally a miracle, like a a, a decade long miracle. And they just, they just shoved it off. They're like, they shrugged it off. Like, yeah, whatever. And I was like, this is going to save you money because I get to work from your, your existing WordPress. And I'm just going to facelift your site instead of, (laughs) instead of completely rebuilding it, which I have to do 90% of the times if you want WordPress. But the, like, I think a snapshot backup system built right in just makes so much sense. Think about this in, in, in the Windows way of things where Windows is a very consumerized experience. If Windows breaks really bad, then you've escaped the consumer sphere and then you go to a technician, no doubt. But how many recovery options are there now that clearly lay out what's happening? Oh, we're going to boot into recovery center. Okay, w- would you like to try to boot into safe mode? Would you like to try to boot into this? This is what this does. This is what this does. And it tells you 
That's a very consumerized recovery tool. We recommend you you restore from a restore point. We have a restore point from this. Your files will remain okay. Is this okay with you? Like it walks you through it and you don't need to be a techie to understand what is going on there. WordPress, critical error, good luck. And I want to point out something that major plugins like Elementor, which is a no-code site builder slash page builder, says in many of their patch notes of their plugin update that they recommend you do a backup and you 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 first upgrade slash update in a staging environment. It is a wild to me, and this is my other solution, that there is no built-in staging environment for WordPress. Why doesn't it take a ghost of itself and you go and even if like staging is such a programming word, you don't even do that. You log into your WordPress, you click update, it doesn't work, and you roll back the whole site from the ghost from a couple minutes ago. Like, just a quick one. Not the full snapshot such backup system, although it would be very, very similar. But I mean, like, just have a little quick little clone there. Maybe I can say, I'd like to back up in my staging environment right now. And it back, and it, and it, or I'd like to, uh, not back up, but I'd like to update in my staging environment right now. And it would allow me to literally back up, update, or back up what's, what's currently live into a staging clone, do all my updates there. I can look at it and it would just be like, you know, mysite.com slash staging or whatever, or a subdomain. WordPress should do this. Then I go and look and I go, whoa, I got a critical error. I'm not going to do that. At the very least, I could avoid the pothole and then I could call an expert. Why is it that we don't have that? And I'm sure that someone's created it, this and that. This, in my opinion, should be in WordPress. Mike, as a final kind of note to this episode, you mentioned WordPress um, maturing. And it has. WordPress is largely a, a page builder now. Gutenberg allows you to build out pages. You can add TikToks and different modules and stuff like that. So a post is not just a post anymore. It's a page. And yes, there's pages and stuff like this too. But you can build out things with blocks, just like Elementor. Now there's controversy as to like how powerful it is. And, you know, it's kind of, kind of bare bones and this and that, but some people love it. Some people hate it. It's a controversial topic, but that's a piece of maturity where WordPress acknowledges, okay, people are constantly installing page builders. They're constantly installing site builders. Let's add that into vanilla. Can somebody please get this man a gun? Can somebody please (laughs) install a backup system like this this is so serious because here's the worst part you do a plugin update the plugin update breaks the site you can't just roll it back and now the database is all fucked up so now you gotta go and if you have to recover from backup you gotta delete the you gotta delete the database or at least its contents you gotta delete the wordpress files to be safe at least i do and then I re I reinstall the the uh, re-upload the files, and then I re uh, reinstall or re-import the contents of the database, and then I go in and make sure everything's working. That's how I do a recovery. Yes, there's ways around recovery. I understand, but <laughs> like, like, why isn't there a built-in backup snapshot? And and why isn't this here? Why isn't this here? Yeah, it should, <clears throat> it should be pretty straightforward to detect when that white screen of death happens after an update. 
and just automatically roll back, right? Like and show an error in the in the console or something, or show an error in the actual dashboard. Like there's, I agree with you that we're like a few steps away from WordPress finally being a full platform, like stable platform in that sense, right? Like we're in the no code sense where a, a, a regular user could use it and not have to worry that an update will crash it. But it's weird that we were there probably, you know, eight years ago and we're, and we're still, still in here. that spot now. Where's the like backup they, system? Yeah, well, they've improved in a lot of different areas. They have a full headless API now, which is great. And I love that as a developer. But for whatever reason, the actual platform itself is fully relying on third-party solutions. So like you said, there is a staging to production plugin that you can set up and it works okay-ish. And it's it's there, like right? It's been there for a long time and it's fairly stable. There is that. There's backup plugins, like you said. There's plenty of them out there that there's you can There's staging set up. ones. There's, there's, there's like yeah, local WordPress staging ones, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of plugins. But the problem is when you're relying on third-party plugins to do critical infrastructure tasks, again, you get back into the exact same problem. If that plugin crashes, <laughs> it brings you back to death. Like it, the, the site will go down. Or if WordPress updates, the yeah. plugin hasn't caught up with the changes yet, and then it, then then your WordPress dies during that update, and there's a there's a there's a missing like they're they're desynced, and in five years that plugin might not be uh, like supported anymore. It'll be anymore. around. Yeah, it might not be supported anymore. So your WordPress could update, and like you said, it could take it down because the plugin's not supported. Again, relying on third party solutions for critical infrastructure is not the way to go for a larger a large ecosystem like WordPress. I would love to have. All like w- exactly what you said. At least the fact that you w- should be able to roll back immediately if an update fails. Yeah, it should be able to detect a failed update. I don't understand how that is not a thing yet in WordPress because that's the number one reason. Like, if if we could detect a failed update, all of this other stuff, like it's great. But you know, it, it, it'll at least be a stable-ish platform, not secure. That's a whole other discussion. But it'll at least be a stable-ish platform. But it can't do that. And I don't even think there's a plugin that can allow you to do that, to be honest. This is like a critical infrastructure thing that has to be done internally in WordPress. When, when everything goes wrong, you're right. Like there are yeah. backup and uh, I haven't personally seen a restore plugin, although I don't I just do everything manually because it's just easier for me at this point. But um, there, like I'm sure there's a backup and restore thing. But again, you've escaped the you've escaped the consumer level because a lot of these a lot of these plugins are locally run on the WordPress if the WordPress is broken you're screwed sure there's other things like manage WordPress which is outside of it and maybe there's some disaster recovery there but this is such a fundamental feature why is this not built right in is honestly beyond me it's it's insane that they went for in my opinion it's insane that they went for a page builder before they went for a backup system, a backup and restore system. As a final sort of comparison, Mike, when you and I and like everyone in our class in college were building computers, one of the newer features on the block that were hitting a lot of motherboards at the time was a BIOS backup. So a BIOS, if you don't know, is a is an acronym, uh, basic input output system. It's the closest or one of the closest bits of hardware slash software that talks to the computer's motherboard. I'm not going to get into the whole thing. But anyway, it's a really crucial thing that if you don't have it, nothing's going to work. <laughs> like Everything's going to be all buggered up. Okay? 
So there are BIOS updates that many people for years would not do, but us being computer engineers and also gamers have and want the latest update of a lot of things to ensure our games and our performance is very good. So sometimes if a BIOS update was interrupted by, say, a power outage or a BIOS update just went incorrect due to a software glitch or something went wrong, it, that's it. Your motherboard is, is toast. While we were in college and the computers that we built from college onward, most of them come with a BIOS backup. So there's two chips, like literally a little chip on the, on the circuit board. One chip has your BIOS and that's the BIOS it uses. And the other one has a BIOS that came with the computer that came with the motherboard tried and true. You keep updating that live one and it keeps updating, updating, hurry for its life. Something goes wrong with an update. There's a button on the back of the computer. A little arrow, I think mine's up, a little round arrow, looks like a refresh button on my computer. You press and hold it or whatever it says in your motherboard manual. Press and hold it, you tap it, whatever, and it restores to the basic original BIOS. And then you can try updating again. You click and hold it. That is consumerizing something that is so technical, Mike and I don't fully understand how a BIOS works. You've consumerized this. And now, but we have WordPress that has such a hole in its consumerization, it drives me crazy. I'm not going to keep reiterating or keep saying it over and over. If you have a solution, however, that you've used for years and you love it, I've watched people use managed WordPress and then I've seen other people hate it for certain reasons. I've seen people use local WordPress, like literally local WP, which is a plugin slash software. And I've seen people use it, but only use it for Working locally, they don't like to sync it because there's a syncing thing. You can sync it to the uh, to the live site. If you have a, a solution that's like basically like a full stack from staging through deployment, through testing, through just playing around with different features and snapshotting backups. And if you have that, that like paves over this pothole, please let us know on any of the socials, Instagram, Twitter, tw- TikTok. I've been on the TikTok a lot these days. So if you hit me on TikTok, hopefully I'll answer I'm a little new to the app, <laughs> but um, please like let us know because I think this is a crucial. I think I think this is a crucial conversation for WordPress people, if you will. But anyway, that concludes this episode. Unless you have anything else to add, Mike, I'm going to run the old conclusion. Runner up. Well, if you enjoyed this episode and want to support episodes like this, we are on that Patreon. That is Patreon.com/slash HTML. All the things and many thanks to our. $3 tier patrons, Ryan Gashel from Blue Black Digital on blueblackdigital.com, Tim from The Web Hacker on thewebhacker.com, Bib Hashdash from 9block Media on 9blockmedia.com, Jason from Geek Life Radio via geekliferadio.com, Michael Curie from MC Web Studio via mcwebstudio.ca, Magnus from YesWeb via yesweb.se, Jeff from Twitter via at the Jeff McHale, and Fire Ant Season via fireantseason.com. Feel free to leave a comment or review in the platform that you are listening to this on and this outro will sign us off. You've been listening to HTML All The Things Podcast. Web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media. On Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things, signing off.